0: so good to see you guys. In fact, look at the person sitting beside you and say, I'm glad you made it this morning. Go ahead and tell them right now. And y'all a little peppy. Y'all got a little extra hour of sleep. I know, I know. So it's good to see you guys. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, man, welcome to Better Life Church. We're so glad you're here. we want to welcome all of our campuses and those watching online as well. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, if you don't, you can grab your phone. I'm using the New Living Translation and... and you can follow along with me. And, and uh, in Ephesians chapter five, we're gonna jump into this today and take a look at this, this topic of being baptized in the Spirit. Now, let me go in and say this. For some of you, you have no earthly idea what I just said when I said baptized in the Spirit. You was like, what does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? I thought Halloween ended last month. What in the world do you mean when you say baptized in the Spirit? And for some of you, you have an idea of what I mean when I say baptized in the Spirit. You've been around church before, different. Churches and you and you you you've heard that phrase being baptized in the Spirit. Now, what I love about our church here at Better, at Better Life, or let me go and say, our family. You know, there's only one Big C church, no matter what label you label yourself. Uh, but we have so many different people from so many different backgrounds. If you want to say denominations, we have people from Presbyterian churches, we have people from charismatic and Pentecostal churches, we have people from Baptist churches, from Methodist churches, and then we have like a Hans 57, and like all mingle all, a little bit of all of them, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a little bit like, I, I like a little bit of this, a little flavor of this. And, and a lot of times, most churches, if you really just peel back and, and look at them, they, they don't really, uh, what's it, divide or have tension over theology as most of it is of how they carry it out. Uh, for instance, you know, that what you should wear or what kind of instrument should be on stage or what Bible translation you should use. And it's mostly not over theology per se, as it is over how you practice it and how you express, you know, uh, your, your walk with Jesus or your beliefs and, and how you, uh, you know, uh, build a building and, you know, I, I, you would not believe how many people have emailed and said, where's the church steeple? like we don't have a steeple here. And they're like, man, you're a heretic. You don't have a steeple. I'm like, oh, but we preach about Jesus like every Sunday. And so everyone has a different background. And and so when you hear the word baptized in the Spirit, you probably already have a a mindset of what does that mean when I say baptized in the Spirit. And so we're going to take a look at that as we continue this series on the Holy Spirit. If you missed any of our Sundays, you could go back and watch those. We talked about how The Holy Spirit is God. How the Holy Spirit's not an it, it's a person, it's a he who comes and lives within us. We talked about how the Spirit saves us that it's, what, it's, it's him who saves us. We talked last week about being sealed with the Spirit. If you ever ask the question, can I lose my salvation? Like, can the Holy Spirit just like get out of me and say, you've sinned so much and I'm kicking you out of the kingdom of God and I'm gonna erase your name out of the Lamb's book of life. Can you lose your salvation? I talked about that last week. If, you, if that topic interests you, please go back and watch it. And today we're gonna be looking at baptized in the Spirit because this one truth has caught so much debate And so much division in the body of Christ. Here's what we know about the Holy Spirit from the Old Testament point of view. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people but did not indwell people. And so when God wanted something to be done, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone, God would use them greatly, then the Holy Spirit would depart from them and and so forth, over and over and over. But it never indwelled them. And now we come here to the New Testament. Jesus says, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send you the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the counselor. He's going to come and teach you, guide you, correct you, convict you, but live in you as you navigate this lost, dying world. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it says, John baptized you with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit spirit. And that's what we're going to focus on. So we talked about that last week, right? You remember in Acts what happened? All of a sudden the Holy Spirit came, the church was birthed, and miraculous things begin to take place in people's lives. So the question I want to ask is, what does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit? And is there a second baptism of the Holy Spirit that millions of believers say they have ever experienced? Like a second work or a second time, like is there something when the power of the Spirit comes on you and miraculous signs may take place in your life. So, what do we know about baptism in the Spirit? Well, First Corinthians chapter twelve verse thirteen says this: For in one Spirit, now this is very important because the the Greek language really, really sets the tone when it comes to maybe what you may think of being baptized in the spirit, that word in right here, you see in the ESV, for in one spirit, some of your modern translations we even say for by one spirit. There's a big difference being in and by. And the Greek right here is the word in, not by, which means that it's in the aorist tense, which means it's happened one time in the past, not a continually filling of over and over and over. We'll look at that. So, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. What do we know from this one verse right here? One, every believer is baptized in the spirit. Every single person who put their faith and trust in Jesus has been baptized in the spirit, not according to what your tradition may say, not according to maybe how you were raised, I'm talking about according to how the Apostle Paul in the first century, speaking to Jews and Gentiles, would say this, if you have been saved, you have been baptized in the spirit. If you see here it says, for in one spirit we, which is who, Jews and Gentiles, all means what? All. So we all, no matter who you are, we all have been baptized, and the word baptized means to be immersed. See, we're gonna have a baptism service also today, And so when someone is baptized, they are immersed underwater. The word baptized, "baptiza" means to dip, to plunge, to immerse, not sprinkle, not cast, it means to be pushed under, and so to be soaked, to be immersed, and so being baptized in the Spirit is so being immersed by the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, when did that take place? It took place at salvation. He says right here, if you keep reading verse 12, verse 13, it says, we all were all baptized. You see that? That's past tense, which means it already happened. It's a one-time event at the moment of salvation. So for someone to say, I am baptized in the Spirit, every single believer on the planet, every single person who ever put their faith and trust in Jesus says, I have been baptized. Baptized in the Spirit. There is no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Installments of the Holy Spirit as you grow more in Christ. Like you don't get, if you read your Bible, you get 5% of the Spirit. If you show up for church, you get 12% of the Spirit. If you start serving, you get 25% of the Spirit. And if you tithe, dear Lord, you get 100% of the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm saying? Like there's no installments of the Spirit. You don't just get a little bit of him and then you get a little bit more of him and then all of a sudden you get this big immersion of him where there's this miraculous signs that take place in your life. In fact, being baptized in the spirit is not the result of desiring it. It's not a result of any goodness or your actions. It's not a result of emotions going, I want more, I, I, I wanna be baptized, I wanna be baptized, I wanna be baptized, it's not an emotion part of it, it's a gift. And it's by the grace of God that we receive this gift. And we receive this gift, every single one of us, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. The baptism of the Spirit also is what places us into the body of Christ. The moment you were saved, you were placed into the body of Christ, the big C body. Not a certain local group, not a denomination, which means right now, if we went to another country in a third world and we're sitting here worshiping on a Sunday with other believers in Christ who don't even speak our language, who don't even our skin color, who don't perform and do the things that we do, who may dance in church for three hours before the preaching ever begins, some of y'all couldn't even handle that, you know? And so we can go and worship with our brothers and sisters because we all have been baptized into the church. When we gave our life to Jesus, we were baptized with the Holy Spirit in our life. Nowhere in the t- we could see. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a term anywhere that the New Testament writers would ever talk about a post-conversion moment after you have been saved and then later the Holy Spirit finally baptized you. This is a universal experience for every single believer on the planet. And nowhere in the Bible, listen to me, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to desire it, to seek it, to pray for it, or to achieve it, because you already have it if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. So we have to be very careful when people say, I have more of God's spirit than you do. Or when someone says, let me show you how to get more of the Holy Spirit in your life. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means they fully, truly don't understand what Paul means when he says baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the question is, not how much of the Spirit do I have, but how much of me does the Spirit have? This is the big question. Because when I got saved, I got all the Holy Spirit. I don't get a parcel of him, I don't get an installment of him, he comes and lives with me and indwells in me according to the text and how salvation, the scriptures talk about it. So, what do we do then with this post-conversion experience or the second baptism that people may have said they've experienced after they have been saved? Well, this movement begun in 1901, there's a holiness movement that took place. So around 1901, there's a group of people, this holiness movement began to take place and what was beginning to be taught in this moment was there are two types of Christians. There are two class of Christians. They're the ordinary believers and then they're the sanctified believers. They're the ordinary believers and then they're the spirit-baptized believers. And at that moment, they begin to divide the church over, Would well, you got the Spirit? I've got the Spirit. Yes, I do. Do you have the Spirit? How about you? You know what I'm saying? Like, how much of the Spirit do you have? And so now you've got an ordinary Christian going, well, man, I've not been baptized in the Spirit. Well, no longer you fall in temptation. No longer you don't do miraculous works. You know, you don't have the Spirit. You need the Spirit. And then you've got the people who are going, man, I'm sanctified, and I'm already glorified, and I'm already Spirit-filled, and I've already got the Spirit in me, and you need what I have. And if you don't have it, you can get it, you can desire it, you can claim it, you can grab it. And so, do you need more of the Spirit? Asked him. And so in 1901, this movement began to divide the church between an ordinary believer and a sanctified believer. And there's a lot of problems with that. One, there's no two types of Christians in the scriptures. There's no two class of believers. There's no, like there's some greater and there's some lesser. Paul or Peter never, ever told a church that was struggling with sin in the church. They never wrote to them and said, your problem is you need to have a second baptism of the Spirit. He never looked and said the problem is half of you are sanctified and half of you are ordinary. What you need to pray and desire is for another filling, another work of grace, another baptism of the Spirit. Nowhere did the Apostle Paul or Peter ever write to the church saying that's your problem, that's what you need. The apostle John in the book of Revelation in chapter two and three writes to seven churches and all these churches had their own problems and unique situations and they never said the number one reason that you're struggling Ephesus is because you guys have never been baptized in the spirit. If you would just be baptized in the spirit, you would be sanctified and man, everybody in your city be saved. Nowhere in the text have we ever seen this to be taught. So then what do we do? We have millions and millions of believers today. I've had friends, personal friends, close friends, that say, hey, you know what, I've had this second baptism experience. i had friends lay hands on me and pray for me to have a second baptism experience. I have friends lay their hands on me and pray that God would grant and give me certain spiritual gifts that they have that I do not have. I've been around and asking people and people have prayed for this for me and for people around since I was a, a college student. I had a guy come and says, you need a second work of the baptism. And I'm like, I just got saved. I don't know what it is, but sign me up. You know, I had no idea. Like, and they laid hands and prayed and they kept pushing me around and I just kept feeling like, a, like I was just going like this. Like, I, I don't feel any different. I'm getting dizzy. Like, I don't know. What do you want to do? And so I I didn't know, man. I've only been saved for three weeks. Like, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. I just know that Jesus came, he died for me, and he forgave me of all my sins, and he radically saved me. And so what I mean is that I have a lot of good, close friends too. So do you, and maybe you're here, and you said I had the second work of experience in my life. But I would like to suggest to you this morning that the second baptism of the Spirit has been what's the word I'm looking for, not really, maybe confused with another theological doctrine we see in the text called being filled with the Spirit. These are two different doctrinal beliefs. There's a difference of being baptized in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. And when I believe in what's happened, this is just what my my belief is that they have blurred these, they've confused these two different types of doctrine of being baptized in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. Well, when you think of being baptized in the Spirit, here's what we know. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one Spirit, we all, past tense, baptized into one body, When you look at the Greek, it's in the aorist tense, which means a once and for all, one and done, it's over. Drop the mic, go home. Like there's nothing else. Our English translations, we can read it how we want with by in the word into it, but when you look at the original language, you look at the Greek structure, you look at the tense of the word, Paul clearly says this is a one-time event that takes, pat, took place in your past when you were saved, you were baptized in the Spirit. And like I said, every single person put their faith in Jesus has been baptized. It's not a second blessing, it's the first blessing, that you have been baptized in the Spirit. But it's this filled with the Spirit that I believe has brought some confusion to this because every single believer can be filled with the Spirit. Where do we see this? Look with me in Ephesians chapter five. So that was all background and context. Y'all ready for the sermon this morning? Okay, five of you, awesome, good. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Better Life Church, very encouraging. All right, five of us this morning. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. The apostle Paul writes this to the church, to Christians, to believers, Jews and Gentiles. So this is all of us, every one of us. Look what he says. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And any alcoholic would tell you this is true. Don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. Some of you, you're struggling with this. I wanna encourage you as your pastor, as your friend, you need to reach out and you need to get help. You need to swallow your pride, put the bottle down, and get help. There's people who love you, who wanna help you, who care for you. If you're addicted, you need help. If you can go 30 days without a drink, If you can't, you're addicted, you need help. And I just feel like someone needs to hear that this morning. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. And listen to me, not your life, everyone's around you. So what is Paul saying? When you were drunk, you were under an influence of another substance. We will all agree with that. So don't be drunk with wine because you will be under an influence of something. And you will do things and say things that you don't want to do that you will regret that will ruin your life. So if you wanna be influenced by something, if you wanna be intoxicated by something, if you wanna be drunk with something, not being drunk in a negative way, but under the influence of something, then look what he says. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as alcohol influences you, you can have the Holy Spirit's influence you. So, instead of being drunk with wine, be filled, be controlled, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, how is baptism of the Spirit different than being filled with the Spirit? Well, when we break it down and look at the text and the original language, we look at the tense of the grammar, we begin to see the difference between the two. One, it says, be filled with the Spirit, which means it's an imperative. What's an imperative? It's a command. Every single Christian on the planet has been commanded through God by the Apostle Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not, well, maybe if I really want to be under the influence, I can. Maybe someday if I choose to, when I get out of college and I grow up and I do something with my life, maybe you know, when I you know, reach to the top of my career and I finally get to retire, then I may be able to do it. It's not a suggestion. Paul is not suggesting, hey, you know what? You know, put the bottle down, just be influenced by the Holy Spirit if you want to. He says, listen, it's a command. It is an imperative for every believer to be filled with the Spirit. One, it's plural, which means it's all of us are to be filled with the Spirit. But this one is the difference of the tense. It's in the present tense. Now I know I'm getting very grammar and getting deep here when I talk about the different tense of the Greek language. Erst is a one-time event, once and for all done. When you read in the erst tense, the present tense is present means it's constant, means it's continuous. So, this text here is in the present tense, which means be filled is in the present tense, which means it's a constant being filled every single day of your life. This happened once. I was baptized in the spirits. Being filled with the spirit is a continual thing that happens over and over and over. And there's times in my life I'm walking with the Lord and I'm on the cloud nine and I'm on top of the mountain and you feel like a super saint. And every time you pray, God answers your prayers. You feel his nearness, you feel he's there. And man, you're like, man, God is with me, he's for me. And you have all the faith in the world. And then just a moment, something happens and your life goes down and now you're in the valley. And now you're like, God, where are you? Why have you left me? How come? You've abandoned me. Why do I keep giving in to temptation? Why do I keep messing up? And then you go, but God, where am I to go? Where am I to hide? You're my rock. You're my refuge. You're my hiding place. Forgive me of my sin and where I blew it. And next thing you know, God begins to fill you back up. And next thing you're like walking in the spirit again. And you're high on the mountain. And you're just casting out the demon around you. say, get away from me, Satan. And then tomorrow you're scared of Satan. But today I'm rebuking Satan. But then tomorrow you're scared of him again. Am I preaching anybody? There's only a pastor that deals with this. There's times that we are filled with the Spirit. It's a command to be present, filled with the Spirit. But sometimes I don't feel like it. And sometimes I struggle. And sometimes I'm afraid. And sometimes I've got all the courage in the world. And it's not because I've been baptized again. A second work of grace again, it's because I have been walking through Ephesians 5 and understanding that if I yield to him, what he could do in my life. It's a past, it's a present tense repeated action in the passive voice, which implies. It is something that happens to you, not from inside of you. When it's in the passive voice, it means it's something from the external that happens, and that is exactly true. The Holy Spirit now has more view. Think of a sponge. The sponge is a sponge, but boy, when you squeeze that and you sit it in the water and it sucks in all that water, what the sponge, it's kinda, it's in a passive voice. It's what's being done to it. And in the same ways when the Holy Spirit is doing that in our lives. So we must put ourselves in position like that spun for the Holy Spirit to intoxicate us, to, to control us, to influence us. You see, signs of being filled with the Spirit is not emotionalism. It's not some super saint outwardly emotion. It's not personal charisma. It's not speaking in tongues or any other signs of wonders that makes someone who said that has a good heart, but they have bad theology because that is not a sign of being filled with the Spirit. It's not freedom from your problems. It's not total freedom from temptation. It's not sinless perfection as some would teach. It's not being filled with the Spirit. So what are the signs then of being filled with the Spirit? How do I know if I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's go back to Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. It says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled, command, present tense, today. You can be filled today with the Holy Spirit. And look what he says, there'll be singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your hearts. Let me tell you about one sign, one, let me give you one, sign of a spirit-filled, walking believer is someone who has a worshipful heart. You've been around those people. Their hearts are just so worshipful even to the point we call them, like, overly saved. You know what I'm saying? You are like, an overly saved person? Like, every time you see them, like, they're like, how you doing? Man, I'm too blessed to be stressed. You're like, what? Like, like what do you mean? Like, I mean, like, it, like, you know, God's a good God every time. He's good now, good then, always good. Like, I just ask, how you doing, man? You know, like, you know, I'm like, they're, like, they're just, like, overly saved. You know, like, like, when you see somebody's like, their heart is so worshipful. Even in the bad times, they got a bent towards them and like, but God is good and he's gonna get us through this. Somebody who's walking says they'll make us sing songs and hymns, they have a worshipful heart. Look what else in verse 20. And give thanks for everything God, or give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell you something else, is a beautiful sign of someone who's walking in the spirit or filled with the spirit is gratitude. They're always so grateful, they're giving thanks. They're so grateful. They, they look at things even in a positive way, even in a negative light. And you hear, you hear what happened to so-and-so, I know, I know, but let me tell you what, I'm just gonna believe in, let's just thank God in advance for what he's gonna do. Do you see the temperament? Once you get around somebody that's got such a thankful heart, their posture of humility, they're so good and grateful for what God is doing, even in the good and bad times. This is somebody you could see that is evidence of someone who's being filled with the Spirit. And then verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit, submissiveness, really means to put other people before yourself, which is selflessness. One of the beautiful signs of being filled with the Spirit is when you realize it's not about you. One quick way to know that I'm not being filled with the Spirit is when you're acting selfish. And we all do. Selflessness is a picture of Jesus. He humbled himself to the point where he died on a cross for you and for me. Selflessness, I teach this to leaders all the time when I've asked to come and speak. So what do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? What do you do when you are the most influential, most powerful person sitting in the room? I'll be talking to top executives, I'll be talking to leaders and management teams and they're sitting there and I said, what do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? Because when you're a boss, you want people to know you're the boss. When you're the leader, you want people to know you're the That's right, I'm the leader, I'm gonna set the head of the table. When you have to tell people you're the boss, listen to me bro, you ain't the boss. What do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? And I always take them to the night when Jesus was betrayed. The most powerful man on the planet took a towel and took a basin and he took a lowly servant position and he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. The most powerful person in the room is to serve the people around them and when you see someone with selflessness and servanthood and a servant heart that is an evidence of a sign man this person is being filled with the spirit we can go on and i may spend a whole sunday on this i haven't decided yet in this series, but see, most people wanna focus on the tools, the gifts of the Spirit. And nobody wants to focus on the harvest or the fruit of the Spirit. Because when I'm filled with the Spirit, Galatians says this, there'll be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When I'm out of control with my mouth, when I'm out of control in my actions, when I'm out of control in my life, that should be a wake up call and Bro, sweetheart, listen, you are not being filled with the spirit. When I have hate or unforgiveness or jealousy or enviness in my heart, that should be an evidence, man. I'm I'm not being filled with the Spirit. And so knowing that there is no reason for any single person here who has put their faith and trust in Jesus not to want to or desire to to be filled with the Spirit of God in our life, And you have evidence, you have a barometer, you have something you can measure up to. Am I walking and looking like Jesus at work? No, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Am I walking and acting and looking like Jesus at home? No, then you need to be filled with the Spirit. It's not like this is rocket science. Every one of us can do it. we choose to be filled with the Spirit. So the question is then, how? How do I do it? How, how do If it's commanded, then how? How do I actually get in position where I could be filled with the Spirit? Well, here's the first thing. The first thing you need to do is you need to be baptized in the Spirit and that is to repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus. And the moment you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit immerses you, immerses you in you and places you in the family of God according to the text. So if you wanna be filled with the Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Spirit give your life to Jesus, repent of your sin. And guess what? You can do that today. The second thing is confession. You need to confess your sins. You still blow it. You know that, don't you? Don't sit there like you've got a halo on. You know what I'm talking about, right? We still blow it. But the problem is when we blow it, we don't confess it tell our staff all the time, we have to do rapid repentance, man. Rapid repentance. And when you blow it, confess it. When you set it, confess it. If you hurt someone, tell them right now. Rapid repentance. Do you confess any known act of sin in your life? And you could do that. You could say, God, is there anything right now in between me and you? God, is there a sin that I have not... Confess. And then listen, and he will point that out. And when he does, don't argue. Don't say, well, I had the right to say that to her. She shouldn't have smarted off to me. No, no, no. No. You try to justify your sin. Confess it. That's what the Holy Spirit's role is to free you up. So you will be filled. Confessing your sin. In your life and then this was the big one give him complete control that we will give him complete control of our life that you can say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2:20 it's no longer I who live. middle school, high school students, look at me. It's no longer I who go to school. It's no longer who I go to work. It's no longer I, the old Daniel who goes home because now I'm new. It's no longer I'm gonna live for myself, but Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, live in me and through me. So God, I want you to control my mouth I want you to control my thoughts. I want you to control my life. I want you to control my business. I want you to control my finances. I want you to control my family. I'm gonna give you my marriage. I'm gonna give you everything. It's yours. See, when you give complete control, you'll be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And this is how I like to make this point, if I could summarize this point. When you yield, you are filled. And if you'll have self-awareness of when you're not yielding and you stop and yield, you will be filled. it would be filled. Yielding leads to filling. Every believer has been baptized in the Spirit. And every believer can be filled with the Spirit. The question is, are you? And I'm asking ask you now, if you just bow your heads just for a moment. Two invitations. I can't save you. I can't even save myself. It's a work of God doing a great work in our life. If He's drawing you to Himself, I beg you to give your life to Him today and be baptized in the Spirit. Right where well, you sit, you can crowd to Him, you can repent of your sins, and you can say, Jesus, I believe. And then just in a moment, host or your campus pastor, they're gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next step. Second invitation. To all believers, you have been commanded to be filled with the Spirit. My invitation to you is you would ask God to open up your heart and show you what's holding you back. What sin have you not confessed? What area of your life you're not giving up control? And you're gonna completely surrender to him. And when you yield, you will be filled. Father, thank you for your word. How true and relevant it is. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch our hearts and open up our eyes, illuminate, illuminate the truth in our spirit. And Lord, when we leave. gathering of worship that we will leave your field and that the world will recognize our fruit that's born from yielding to you and you will use that God to draw men and women to yourself we will see cities change, regions change, generations changed, because a handful of people decided to surrender and be filled with the Spirit. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us online today. If you felt led to take any next steps throughout this message, we would love to connect with you. You can best do that at betterlife.church slash next steps. If you would like to stay connected with us, um, you can download our app on any major platforms. And lastly, if you feel led to give and support the ongoing ministry of Better Life Church, you can do so at betterlife.church give. Thank you all so much for joining us and we will see you next week.